All right, good evening, Salt Company. Uh, great to be with you guys tonight. My name is Drake. If I haven't met you, but guys, last Salt Company of the year. And here's the thing. as we So we're wrapping up our Stories for Summer series. We think it's fitting for us to like consider and think through what it looks like for you guys to go out into summer, um, thriving in your walk with Christ. And I think, as Colin said, as we get to the end of a year, it's right for us to look back and reflect and celebrate on all that God has done. Because though it's been a wild year, God has done so much in each of our lives that we want to celebrate. And some of you, guys, some of you have heard the good news of the gospel for the first time, and it has radically changed your eternity. Like you were running after things that left you empty, that you were convincing yourself that if you just ran a little bit harder, if you went a little bit farther, that you would actually be filled. But it left you empty time and time again. Some of you were putting your hope in things. We're just going to ride through that sound. Some of you were putting your hope in things that actually left you hopeless. And from that, you are now celebrating and experiencing new life in Christ for the first time, that you have a new identity, that you have a new hope, you have a new satisfaction that you've never had before, and you're living out of that, and now you are experiencing what rest in Christ is actually like. C.S. Lewis speaks to us chasing after empty things like this. You've probably heard me say this quote. Should I use this mic? Okay. We're actually... Yeah, okay, this one... This one will do it. Okay, but C.S. Lewis, quote, that's where we're at, back in it. Here's what he says. It would seem that our Lord, what's up? We're still, oh, you just quieted me. That's good. Um, it would seem that our Lord finds our desires not too strong, but too weak. We are half-hearted creatures fooling, around, fooling about with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us. Like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he cannot imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at the sea, we are far too easily pleased. And so some of you have realized that the life you were living, you were actually swimming in mud puddles. You were convincing yourself it was an ocean, but you, you realized for the first time, like, this isn't doing it for me. And then you realize that Christ offers you a holiday at the sea of complete rest, complete satisfaction that you now get to enjoy. And some of you, you've been following Jesus for a little while now. And actually this year, your, your relationship with him depthened, and that was through difficulty. Like life presented opportunity. Different moments that revealed how you're running to other things to find trust, to find hope, to find satisfaction. And though you've once put your faith in Christ, you've actually ran to other things yet again, but you were brought back to Christ. You saw that you were running for those things, and you repented of that, and you turned back to Christ. And through that, he has grown you to love and appreciate and value him more than you did at the beginning of this year. Guys, those are amazing works of God in your life that shows his faithfulness to you that would not have happened other than his presence in your life. And so we want to celebrate that. So you look back and you see all that God has done and you celebrate that, but now you're looking into the summer and you might be actually a little more uncertain. Like as you look to the summer, you might be looking to a family that might be challenging to deal with where there's disagreements, and it's just a hard relationship. There might be friendships that you had back in high school 
that actually they are not following Jesus and they're trying to pull you back into your old way of life and you are wrestling with right now, what is it going to look like for you to honor Christ with your life while entering back into those relationships? There's those difficult questions. And here is how I want to um, cause you to rethink your summer. Because I think a lot of you can see the summer as like a stepping away of all that God has done. Like you can see, instead of saying that you are going home for summer, I want you to rethink it as you are being sent to share Christ with your summer. Instead of this summer, the, the, the summer isn't a stepping away from what you've been a part of, but rather a continuation and a furthering of all that God has done in this past year. Like you're not leaving the work of God in your life. You're looking back and seeing how present he was and that you actually get to carry that into your summer wherever God takes you. And that's the main idea tonight, that you are sent to share. Sent to share the beauty of Christ and what he has done. And so if you have your Bible, open up to Acts 18. I didn't get the notes in, so they won't be on the screen tonight. So make sure to pull that open. Um, and I'm going to read the first eight verses to give you guys kind of an overview um, and a background of what's happening before we get into our text for tonight. So verse 1. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. Because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome, and he went to see them. And because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. And when they opposed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, your blood be on your own heads. Doesn't really hold back there. I am innocent. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. And he left there and went to the house of a man named Titius Justus, a worshiper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. Okay, there's going to be three things that we are going to look at tonight that is going to leverage you to actually be sent to share Christ this summer. And that is three words. And I want to make it really simple for you. Okay, proclaim, remember, invitation. Those are the three words we're going to be going over. Point one, proclaim. Okay, so Paul enters into Corinth. And this is one of the largest cities of this time. They are in advance in every single way that you can think of. Like people look to Corinth as the big city. They were also known as the Las Vegas of the time. So what happens in Corinth stays in Corinth. That would have been the motto of the day. So it was a town or a city that was advanced, that had a lot of reckless living that was going on. And Paul enters this space ready to share the good news of Christ. And so he starts in the synagogue. He starts sharing with the Jew, Jewish race for them to realize that the Christ that they've been dreaming about for so long that they've been hoping for was actually Jesus, that he has come, and that they can put their faith in him. And what happens is that they actually receive opposition. They're reviled against. And it, he is forced out. 
So much so that he says, the blood on your head, I'm actually leaving you. I'm going to go to the Gentiles, people who aren't Jewish, who have now been welcomed in to the fold. And so he leaves, and then he goes to the house next door to the synagogue. And he starts preaching to the Gentiles there, and many are hearing and believing and being baptized. There's new life happening all over. And so even in the midst of all of this happening that God is doing, like he is looking back and seeing God work in so many people's lives, there is still a tension that he is feeling the weight of. Like as he looks forward, he's like, man, if I continue to share at this house that is right next door to all the people that were opposing him, they were trying to drive him out of the city, like what are they going to do? If I share tomorrow, are they going to harm me? Are they going to try to push me out of this city? He faced things like stoning. Are they going to go to that length? And in this state of him celebrating what God has done, but looking forward with uncertainty of what will happen, God comes to him with a promise. And that is in verse 9. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent. So here we get a little bit of a window into Paul's heart. Because God is saying, do not be afraid to Paul, because he's afraid, okay? You wouldn't say that to someone that's not afraid. That'd be weird. And so what's happening is that we are seeing that Paul is wrapped up in a fear of what is going to happen. It's like crippling him to the point where, can I continue sharing of Christ in this town? But he simply says, do not be afraid. And that's combating some of his questions of like, man, what is going to happen if I tell them, and some of you, like this is where you're at right now. Okay, you're looking back and you're seeing all that God has done in this past year, but when you look forward, instead of a hope and celebration, it's a little bit more of uncertainty and fear. As the questions that are hitting your mind are like, how are my friends going to respond to me sharing the gospel with them? If I share this, what will they think of me? What's their response? Are they going to cast me out of the friend group? Or will I have all the right answers? Like, man, okay, I want to share this, but what if they come back with a question that I can't answer and then they no longer want to follow Jesus? Like, we can run down that rabbit trail. And some of you are new to the faith, and you're like, man, I think I need to follow Jesus a little bit longer before I can be sharing about him. What are you fearful of when you look to the summer and the relationships that you will be in? That could be your family friends, internship, like what causes you fear as you look forward? But here's what we need to see from this text. God is calling you to not be afraid, but to go on speaking. And so if we look at the inverse of that, it would be be afraid and keep from speaking. And so the command shows us that our fear is the very thing that's keeping us silent, and I think it's important that we acknowledge that fear that's within us. That we realize, okay, there, there is actually a fear that might keep me from sharing because what we are going to be tempted to do is not to acknowledge our fear, but to justify our silence. And so what that looks like is, well, I don't, I don't know if I should share the gospel with them. Like, I, I don't want them to become a project. Like, maybe if I just live a certain way, then they'll see that I'm a Christian and they will respond to the good news of Christ. 
And here's what I want to say to that. Like, Jesus rose from the grave, okay? We have new life in him. Yes, that demands a different way of living, but that is not the way God calls us to share the gospel. Because from my experience, that has rarely happened that someone has looked at the way I'm living that's not a believer and asked, how are you living like this? Like, in this text, you don't see people looking at Paul and saying, man, Paul, I just saw you working endlessly making those tents and it's hot and tiring work, and you didn't complain at all. Or like the other day, I saw you go into the house next to the synagogue, and you opened the door for that nice old lady. I think I need Jesus. Like, that isn't what happened. If you look at verse 8, they heard and believed. And my worry is that we can use a statement such as, I'm going to live in such a way that they might see the way I'm living and come to know Jesus, that we can say that statement actually just to hide our fear that's really there of what will happen if I share this message with them. Our silence is not due to a strategy for sharing the gospel. It's a fear of what will they say when we do. So God tells him in this moment, don't be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent. Okay, speaking about what? He's talking about the simple gospel message. I think it's important for us to sit with that, the simple gospel, because a lot of us are wrestling with, man, I, I don't know if I can tell it in a persuasive way. I don't know if I present it with enough punch. I don't know if I have the eloquence to share with someone to change their life. Like, I don't know if I have the power within my own words to do that. And it's like, you don't. But here is the reality that it's the simple gospel, which is what radically changes people's lives. If we look at 1 Corinthians 1, Paul's first letter, he says to this city that is very advanced in knowledge, he says, For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. He's saying it's not about how eloquent you are. It's not about knowing all the answers. It's not about how you present it because that's not where the power is. The power is in the very good news of Christ and what he has done for them. Like that is what brings people from death to life. That is all you need to know. And the fact that you have been brought from death to life by that very message shows me that you know that message. That you have what you need to share with people for them to come to know Christ. In Romans, we see it emphasized again that it's the gospel that is the power of God for salvation. The simple message that Christ lived the perfect life that we never could, that he died on the the cross that we deserve to die on because of our brokenness and guilt. And then three days later, he rose from the grave in victory, and he is now welcoming us into eternal life with him if we put our faith in him. Guys, that's all you need to know. And as we grow, we'll learn more scripture and we'll learn more about it. But the simple gospel is the very thing that changes people's lives. And I want you to realize that I want you to see that the power is there, not in the words that you are presenting. And so as you go home this summer, as you go back to the friends that you have spent time with, who in your life needs to hear this message? 
Who in your life needs to hear the very message that has radically changed everything about you, and now you have the opportunity to change that about them as well? And this doesn't mean that, like, this is the only thing you're ever going to talk about with them this summer, that every conversation you're, like, bringing it back to this. Like, I think that there's a call for you to just be a faithful friend to them, to genuinely care about the concerns of their life, but to also realize that you have been placed there to share with them the, go- the good news of the gospel and that they need to hear that message in order to come to Christ. Again, you are not going into some or stepping away from all that God has done, but you are given the opportunity to further God's message to others. But in order to make this shift from fear to sharing, there's something that we need to remember, which is point two, remember. Okay, so here's the thing. So far in this text, we've seen that we should not live in fear, but we should go on speaking and not be silent. So instead of this, do this. But it doesn't actually address the fear that we have yet. Like the fear that we have hasn't actually been dealt with. And like when, I mean, when someone says that they're fearful, you don't just say, okay, don't do it. Like, just stop it. Like, you, you don't do that. That actually wouldn't help someone that is fearful. But there's obvious fears that Paul has, and there's obvious fears that all of us might have in sharing the gospel with anyone who doesn't know Christ. Because going home to a family who doesn't know Jesus or to friends that don't know, and we're the sole person that knows Christ in that friend group, can feel incredibly isolating. Because we are stepping away from a community that we have been surrounded by, that we've been talking about Jesus, we've been reminding one another about Jesus, and now we're going out, and it feels like we are incredibly alone, and if we are alone, the weight to convince them is on our own. And so we, we feel that weight, and we ask the question, like, what if it doesn't go well? What if I don't have all the answers for them that I should? And you can just imagine, Paul, like, what if going, what, what is going to happen if I keep sharing with these people? Like, I've already seen opposition. What is going to continue to stir about in this city? How much trouble will rise up, and will I get into So he's sitting in this fear, and then before we go to the next verse, I actually want to show you guys verse 11, because it's a dramatic shift. 11, it says, and he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. Okay, so do not be afraid. Go on speaking. So he's living in this fear, and then it says that he stayed a year and a half more just sharing the good news of the gospel. What happened? What caused Paul to flip from being fearful to staying and being faithful and sharing the good news of Christ? I think we need to realize when someone is fearful, there's a truth that they are forgetting about causing them to live in fear. So what is that truth that Paul needed to be reminded of? Let's go back to the beginning of our verse for tonight. Do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you. The thing that alleviates our fear is for us to realize that you aren't going out alone. That the God who created the heavens and the earth is with you. The God who said, let there be light, and there was light, is with you. The God who rose your life from the grave 
And because he rose your life from the grave, he can raise anyone's life from the grave. That God is with you. The God that said, I have overcome the world, take heart. That God is with you in that moment. And where we can focus on all the other aspects that make it difficult for us. All those questions that are going around in our mind that can make it difficult for us. We can take our eyes off the most important aspect that God is with us. And so in this promise, he's trying to draw our eyes up. Okay, stop looking at all the aspects that are making this difficult or fearful for you, but draw your eyes up to see the God who is incredibly and intimately near to you. Okay, so most of you know uh, we've got a new member in our family, little Miss Zeta Bell. So she is now four months old of this past week, and she hit a monumental moment uh, about a week, literally a week ago, where she rolled over for the first time, okay? It's incredible. I spent hours just watching her go. Once she did it once, she just kept going. She's very determined. Um, but it made me think about, like, what are the next moments? What are the next, like, monumental things that a parent wants to experience? And as we get closer to the summer, she got her first swimsuit. Very cute. Uh, but I- I'm thinking about the moment that she's going to be at the edge of the pool and, and about to jump in, and then I'm going to catch her, okay? It's the picturesque moment. And so you, you have the kid standing there, and they're terrified, not moving at all, because they're looking, and they're like, that's a lot of water, okay? I don't want to jump in that. I am actually terrible at swimming. Like, they're focusing on all these things that are making them fearful, and what does the dad do in that moment? The dad says, it's okay. Dad's here. You can jump. And so in that moment, the kid looks from all the things that they were looking at to their dad, and it gives them all the confidence that they need, not because those other issues are gone, but because of the reality that their dad is there is greater than any other issue. God is trying to do the exact same thing for us, that we might be looking at every reason to walk in fear and sharing the gospel. We might be looking at every aspect that makes it difficult. Like, what if I don't know the words? What if they push back? And you are looking everywhere except the place that you need to be. The fact that the one who is on the throne over all is looking to you right now and saying, I am with you. That throughout the entire summer, the God who is on the throne is going to be looking to you saying, I am with you. And we see this again from Jesus as as he's leaving this earth and he's giving the great commission when he says, I am with you till the end of the age. God reminds us that he is with us, but he also gives us an invitation of a story to be a part of. So that's point three, an invitation. Let's go back to the beginning of verse nine. Do not be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent for I am with you. And no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in this city who are my people. And then Paul stays a year and a half, continuing to share the good news. Here's what God is telling Paul in this moment. There are many in this city who will respond to the gospel. There's many people in this city that I plan to bring from death to life. There are people who are waiting to hear this message, and they don't even know it yet. All you have to do is go and share the gospel with them. 
Like God is saying that he plans to redeem many in that city and that Paul is getting an opportunity of a front row seat to see that take place. That that is the greater story that he is being welcomed and invited into to be a part of. And where this is a, a unique promise to Paul for the context that he is in, it remains true for us as well. Because to us as well, God is saying that he is going to bring people that are now dead to life. Though we don't know who, God has redeemed people by the blood of his son. And he's saying, all you have to do is go out and continue to share the gospel. It's not that you are going out alone this summer. One, because God is with you. But two, because you are joining in with the mission of God, with the rest of the body of Christ that has happened for, the, for all of history to bring dead people to life. That is what you get to be a part of. And the question then is, do you want to have a front row seat to see that take place? I want to go back to the beginning of this message where I talked about, man, there's a lot of you that have just put your faith in Christ. You, you were living for things that were empty, things that were causing you to be hopeless. I want you to think about those things, to remember just the weight of chasing after something that wasn't giving you what you wanted or clawing after hope and never receiving it. There are people in your life that are still in that state. And you know the very message that can bring about that hope in their life. And here's the thing. Whether they receive it or not is not up for you to guess or to make happen. That's completely under the powerful hand of God to make that happen. So weight is off of you. Like it's not about how eloquent you say it. It's not about saying it the right way. It's not about the power of your words. It's about the power of the word of the God that created the heavens and the earth. He is the one acting. All you have to do is share that simple gospel message. And so as this year ends and you celebrate all that he has done, I want you to realize that you can look forward in celebration knowing that you are invited into the greatest story that's ever been told and that we can ever be a part of. That God is welcoming you to be a part of this mission, to see more people go from death to life, and that you get to be the people that go out and share the message that does that. That there are people in your summer that are ready to hear this message that you just have to go and share. And as this year ends, to realize that you are being sent out to further what God has been doing all year. And that invitation is out for you to just jump in and be a part of. Because the blood of Jesus has already purchased your new identity in him. That you get to just walk in that. You get to jump in with the story of what he is doing in this world. So I want to end with just giving you five really practical tips of what it looks like to share the good news of Christ. To share with the people in your life. And again, number one, just to reemphasize, share the simple gospel message. The power is not in your eloquence. The power is not in the presentation. The power is in the gospel of God for salvation. And so that simple message that changed your life is all you need to share to change someone else's. Two, share your story. 
Like when you go home with your parents, just ask like, hey, can I tell you a little bit about what God has done in my life? With your friends back home, hey, can I share with you a little bit about what God has done in my life over the course of this year? Like share with them the radical change and the fact that it was God's work in your life, not you bettering yourself. That he was faithful to continue to show up and change you. That is one of the most obvious examples of the gospel taking effect in someone's life. And then once you share about that change, you can say it was all because of the simple gospel of Jesus Christ. Three, simply ask questions about faith and spirituality. Like you can just ask a very simple question like, what do you think about faith? What do, you, do you have any spiritual beliefs? And that can kind of kickstart a conversation in that realm. Four, be honest about problems in your life and then how the gospel gives you hope in the midst of that. Like what are you wrestling with? What are you going through? And how does the gospel actually give you a new viewpoint on that moment? Or I've seen this in my own life. Some problems I might be walking through is when I've sinned against someone else and just apologizing to them and sharing with them how Christ has welcomed me into a new way of living and I went against that. And I want to apologize. And fifth, don't wait for them to ask. I think this can be our hope in every friendship, waiting for them to sit to ask that question, like what has caused you to change? But I want you to realize, like, you guys are the ones that are going to initiate and share that message. And that's never going to be the easiest segue, okay? It's always going to feel like the wrong time, but that you guys have that message that's changed your life. Now you get to bring that to other people. So I want you to realize that you are not going home for the summer, but you are actually being sent out to continue the work that God has done in your life. And that the simple gospel message that brought you from death to life, you get to share that. You get to be a part of the work that God is doing to redeem a broken world. Let's pray. Father, we, we are so incredibly grateful of the work that you have done to redeem us. The fact that we are incredibly broken people, that, but that you saw our brokenness and you said, no, I'm going to come to this earth. I'm going to live the perfect life in their place. I'm going to die on the cross that they deserve and my blood will be shed to cleanse them from their sins and that you were going to raise from the grave to offer us new life so that we could raise from the grave as well. Jesus, you have changed everything about our eternity. And to someone in this room that doesn't know that message yet, would they believe that tonight? And God, help us to realize that we are not going into the summer alone but that you are with us and that we are actually joining in with the rest of the body of Christ to continue your beautiful story, to see you continue to bring dead things to life, for, to see you continue to redeem brokenness and make it beautiful. God, that's the best thing that we could ever live for. Help us not put a pause to that for this summer. Help us to continue sprinting for your glory and your good because you are worthy of your, our worship. It's in your name we pray. Amen.